Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Whaler, Adweek's 2022 Creator Agency of the Year. Welcome to this special South of France edition of the Everything is Better with Creators podcast. Recently, we joined the many advertising, marketing, and tech execs for the annual Cannes Lion International Festival of Creativity. Yup, in Cannes, France. In addition to the schmoozing and presentations, we had an agenda. If this is truly the festival to celebrate creativity, where the hell are the creators? Okay, well, there were some amazing creators that attended, but not nearly enough. So we brought our own crew of global creators to take over and show the world what they can do. While we were there, we also caught up with some of the biggest names and brightest minds in the creator economy. And over the next few weeks, we're going to feature those conversations on this podcast. First up is Dave Jorgensen better known as the Washington Post TikTok guy. I've been obsessed with their TikTok channel and maybe a little obsessed with Dave. Why, you might ask? Dave and his two co-creators have changed the news game. That's right. The 144-year-old newspaper of Watergate fame, Catherine Graham, and the Pentagon Papers has one of the best TikTok channels around. And now they have more than 1.5 million followers. During our conversation in the Spotify studios at Can Lions, Dave shared how he's tapped into the power of TikTok to make news more accessible to younger audiences, how he convinced management that it was a good idea, and how he explains what he does for a living. Oh, and did I mention he wrote a book, Make a TikTok Every Day? It's pretty great. And now, roll the intro. Everything is better with creators. The podcast that takes a deep dive into all things creator economy. Produced and presented by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. With your hosts, Ashley Rudder, Emma Harmon, Jamie Goodfriend, and Marco Batosi. everyone. Welcome to this episode of Everything is Better with Creators. I'm Jamie Goodfriend, your guide to all things happening in the creator economy. Every week, myself or my colleagues, Emma Harmon, Marco Batazzi, or Ashley Rudder will be hosting this podcast. Coming up, we're getting right into this episode with our big interview with Dave Jorgensen from the Washington Post. Just a reminder that Everything is Better with Creators is brought to you by Whaler. The Whaler Way combines tech talent, and creative social strategy to match brands with creators to produce authentic content that people really want to see. Whaler is democratizing the creative process for brands and creators by empowering a global talent network of thousands of influencers, tastemakers, creatives, and storytellers to connect you to your target audience, making advertising more inclusive, diverse, and effective. Check out more at Whaler. That's W-H-A-L-A-R dot com. And now it's time to bring up the headliner. Very special. Please welcome to the stage 
The Big Interview. Everything is better with creators. Oh God, I am sitting here in the most beautiful booth at Spotify with the most incredible guy who I've been stalking for quite a long time. I'm here with Dave Jorgensen, the TikTok guy from the Washington Post. I thought you were talking about the, the wonderful guy recording us. Joe, right yeah, he's, Joe's yeah, exciting too. Yeah. Yes, well, <laughs> we're sitting here. I'm just going to give a visual. We're in a booth at the end of a pier um, at Spotify Beach in Cannes, France. It's raining, and I'm in the happiest little bubble I can possibly be. And like surprisingly soundproof bubble, even while it's actually raining outside. It's it's amazing. It's pretty incredible. So yeah. this is a, a multimedia thing because you're known for TikTok, but you started with a video, but you did Vines, right? So yeah. you started. Wow, you did your research. I did my research. <laughs> I know more about you than you could possibly imagine. So watch, watch. We're going to play Dave Jorgensen 101. I like it. Okay, well, you got the first one on the bingo board. Yeah, my my job before the post, it was, it was a small company called IJ Review, or they changed names a bunch of times. But we had a Vine account that actually did quite well, which was kind of the impetus for when I said, let's do a TikTok account when I was at the post, because I knew that there, there was success in using an app like that. So I'm going to start with the $64,000 million dollar question. Okay. I want to understand how the meeting went down when you suggested to the venerable Washington Post that you should be doing TikToks to help reach younger readers. How does that go down? I think it was a really healthy combination of like hubris and, and luck, but also having been there for two years, I knew exactly kind of what to say and, and who to bring into that meeting. So I had, you know, the head of video, my boss, the deputy director boss, and then a couple other people there that I knew had to sign off, but also would probably want to sign off on it. And I had this whole, I had an eight page packet that I wrote up and typed up, which I never do. <laughs> so they're like, wow, he must be serious. <laughs> he seems, he's organized today. And handed it out to everyone, printed it off. I also, uh, a colleague of mine, Teddy, who just has like been the Sherpa of this all the way. He doesn't work directly with me, but every so often he's just really Thank good you, at giving Teddy. advice. Thank you, Teddy. Um, he was really helpful in answering questions in the room because at the time, this is uh, March 2019. I really, I knew about TikTok, I understood TikTok, and I, I knew it was going to be a, a good platform to be on because it already had a billion downloads, and it reminded me of Vine, as you mentioned, but I didn't know every nook and cranny of the platform, and Teddy did, and then very quickly, I, I knew every nook and cranny, but basically, we left that meeting, and it was, uh, yeah, this, you know, this might work, and I didn't get a yes, and I wasn't necessarily looking for it yet, um, I was just kind of waiting for an actual green light, and for them to talk to whoever else, like Marty Baron or whoever they had to talk Jesus to. <laughs> I'm not sure they talked to him at that moment. But sometime a couple months later, the head of video, Micah, uh, who's still head of video and been very helpful all along as well, he just walked up to my desk and said, hey, you should you should make a TikTok today. Just, and he said, just keep it under the radar. And so I was like, I'll do the first thing. <laughs> and so I posted that TikTok. I tweeted it. I intentionally, I had like my coworkers dog in it. And there's this guy named Darth on Twitter. And so I basically baited him into retweeting it because there's a dog in it. And once he retweeted it, it was just off to the races. I mean, those first couple months and since then, but I mean, especially those first two months, it was just constant growth because um, we were on TikTok and we we're the only news organization on TikTok outside of NBC News who was reposting horizontal videos. And we certainly were the only people on Twitter talking about TikTok, if that makes sense. So there was a, yeah. there was some interest internally in D.C., just the whole news media, you know, that whole high school. But also on TikTok separately, we were growing a much younger generation actually in the app. And I kind of wonder, do you think Catherine Graham is rolling over or is she 
clapping her hands somewhere in news heaven? I think, <laughs> and now I want to know about news heaven. Um, in news heaven, where the news is always correct and factual, um, I think she's, I, I mean, I never know her. I, what I'll tell you is that when you first become an employee at the Post, you get a book and it's her. <laughs> it's just this giant 500-page book, about her biography. Um, so she's still very much embedded in people's minds there. Um, I think the whole thing with, about being at the Post is it's about innovating. That's That's something that far predates me. I mean, part of my eight-page packet was this is what we're doing on Reddit and we've been doing on Reddit. So we were easily the, one of the first organizations to adopt Reddit back in 2012, 2013. And we had our own username and everything and we were, were replying to comments. A lot of that stuff that Gene Park, who, was, who ran that, was doing then, I'm doing now where I'm in the comment section of our TikToks but also other TikToks because there's something about that discoverability of, oh, this isn't just a brand on the app. This isn't just a news organization. This is uh, a TikTok account that actually is in the platform and interacting with people and actually understands the platform. We, we call that made for the medium. Right. And that's not right. a phrase I made up. And actually, we started using it 30 years ago when in Web 1.0. Uh -huh. And it was such a startling thing. And the analogy that people say is when uh, television commercials first started, people were doing radio commercials mm -hmm. for television. And then they finally figured that out. And then when Web 1.0 came, mm -hmm. It was really, it was like TV on the internet. And it was like, why would you want to watch something on a small screen that, you know, was not great? Right. So what is it for the medium? And I think that's the lesson that you've really demonstrated that's blown this out of the water, which is you understand the medium, what it can do, and how to deliver information in a way that's rec recognizable and relevant to younger audiences and that that's the key um and not many brands are getting that and i and i right. think it, it, there's a sort of a, a bunch of different things here one you're innovating for the washington post which mm -hmm. i love two you're helping get news to younger audiences and obviously this isn't the only place that they should be getting news but it <laughs> right. helps make Agreed. them aware mm -hmm. i mean one of my favorite ones that you guys just did was <laughs> woodward and bernstein <laughs> walking what... down the hall that that I, that is epic, but you know there are a lot of younger audiences that may not really even know who they are. You just put them on the radar. I want to see the uh, Google search after that to see what people were doing. I'm certain that yeah, and you saw that some of that in the comments where <laughs> some people just uh, you know thought they, they didn't know who they were, uh, but other people were correcting. That's the best thing about too is sometimes we have a story that might be difficult to understand or people don't know about. Our followers are so. Um, involved that they're replying to comments for us sometimes too. So they're telling them everything about it. But yes, Watergate, I mean, to give you an example, when we first, especially in 2019, when our audience was primarily, I mean, probably average 16, 17 years old, um, people thought my name was Washington that I was posting. They thought that's what that was. They, <laughs> your parents must have been so proud. <laughs> yes, I am the Washington Post. Uh, and they were, um, they were commenting, saying, I'm in Seattle, are you nearby? Because they, they didn't know the Washington Post was in DC. There's all these different things that were, and that's fine because that's that's exactly why we were there, to inform them. Um, we, we're, we've we been trying to work out a TikTok exactly related to what you're concerned there, where we were going to do, uh, and there's, there's a joke in that Woodward would, would and Bernstein TikTok about Chris thinking that they're the people who broke into Watergate, not the people. I, that, I know, yeah. which is hilarious. And we're thinking about playing off of that because I think there are, there's a decent amount of people who believe that you just add gate to the end of a controversy and actually don't know why we add gate to the end of it. Um, right. It, why it, would they know? Though? Why would they know? It was 50, it was literally 50 years ago. 
Um, yeah. I actually had a friend in who is a poli sci major in college, and he wrote his whole thesis about gate and how we just add it to every controversy now. And that 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 it's not even there's no more conscious thought about where even we got that word from, which is how language works. And that, but I think you know that's important to explain to people, like how we had the TikTok explaining what an op-ed is. There's just yeah. Well, you talk about uh, in doing my research, uh, mm -hmm. inform being informational versus reactionary. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that goes to it. So, what are the other things that you're help? I know it's about understanding information and being able to know that it's the truth versus right. you know alternative facts and these other crazy phrases that we have mm -hmm. in the in the lexicon now what's what's the higher purpose here in terms of your goals and motivation for doing this i think it's always been about it, well for me it's always been about media literacy um I do a lot of that work with this other this pointer organization called MediaWise, and basically all they do is focus on misinformation, which increasingly is what I focus on. And so there's a lot of times where, yeah, we're trying to be proactive and get the story out as soon as we can, but a lot of the times you don't know how people are going to become misinformed or disinformed. Like you what can't do you, mean? you can't anticipate what they're going to get wrong about a story. So a more recent example is um, like the the invasion of Ukraine. There was just no one expected there to be so many videos that came out the week that happened where a lot of them would, it would be footage from a Call of Duty game and people thought it was actual footage of something happening in Ukraine or footage from a different battle or war two or three years ago and people were posting them and captioning them as if that was happening that week. And I don't know that anyone could have anticipated that, but then we spent the next, I mean, month at least where every other TikTok we were fact checking these other uh, TikToks that were spreading all kinds of misinformation and disinformation. So there's no way you could guess that, and you had to almost be reactionary to it. Well, I find maybe you know lamenting the state of affairs, but Thomas <laughs> Jefferson made schools public because mm -hmm. he said the best way to safeguard democracy is have an educated public. Mm -hmm. So should schools, and I think some schools might be, but should it be part of our curriculum to understand facts and literacy of information? One hundred percent. I mean, I don't think there's even a question in my end that that should be the case. Um, I. And I'm going to blank you out because it didn't exist when I was in school, but there's a CNN program. I want to say it's called CNN Now. Um, it's sort of like their version of Bill Nye, but for media literacy. And apparently it does quite well in the classrooms. And I, I'm not saying that's the end all be all, but there should be more stuff like that where or actual classes, because I don't. It's that same thing where it's almost a joke. I've seen this meme many times where, you know, I did all this stuff. I learned calculus, but I never learned how to do my taxes. Like there are a lot of things that are just gaps. <laughs> Right. in the public school system. And I think this is certainly one of them that's only getting worse. And the biggest problem, which you probably already identified, is that the people teaching it, and it's not their fault, but they, they, they weren't, they're not prepared to teach about misinformation on TikTok or something. So it, it needs to be not only there, but also there needs, it needs to be constantly being updated because the media is evolving so quickly for better and for worse that we actually don't, we aren't even teaching the right tools for it. When I was in college, um, what, five years ago? <laughs> well, ten, nine. Whatever. <laughs> but I was in a media program there, and the professor, great, I mean, the best, but he f was focused so much on how newspapers were dying. And I remember being in that class and thinking, yeah, that's true, but they're, they're doing, including the post at the time, were already doing quite well online. So I feel they were already focused, they were focused on something that was no longer of importance. And there was a time in that class where, for the first time, we started to talk about Facebook and this is back in 2012, 2013, and how Facebook was, um, you were getting only the news you wanted to see. And so that was good. And we learned a lot. We talked about that in class. And that was very helpful for me going on. And I think if you know other people were having that kind of those discussions in class, it would be really helpful. 
There's a, a phrase that when I was studying communications <laughs> and oh, dark 30, there was a phrase I learned about agendizing. Mm-hmm. And whatever the Washington Post or the New York Times, or the Wall Street Journal put on the front page, that was deemed to be the most important right. just by default. Right. There is no front page for social media. Right. And so there's a challenge there. It's whatever front page you create. And I think that's that's part of the challenge. There's actually a great book called The Coddling of the American Mind. Okay. And it's about this shift. It's this whole idea of I have to be protected from ideas that might trigger me or upset me. Mm-hmm. And while I am very sensitive to the need to be aware of other people's struggles and journeys and things that are upsetting to them. Mm-hmm. I do have, a ch- it's a challenge because when you go to a university, mm-hmm. it's that the book talks about, it, it's like going to the gym. If you go to the gym and you don't use heavy weights, what's the point of going to the gym? When you go to a university, if you're not being challenged by ideas and you feel like you're being exposed to things that you may or may not agree with, mm-hmm. That's a uh, that's a skill that needs to be developed, and the the need to have a referee is one of the things that is hurting our democracy, is hurting the society in some degree because we should all be intelligent and, and confident enough to be able to have a dialogue mm-hmm. based on facts. Yes. So that that's a challenge. Okay. So that that's all the. I think the referees actually. That's a. Re- I mean, I love that as the just the way to. That's what we need because and and. Trust me, we don't take up all this responsibility that would be impossible. But I do think that's exactly what we are trying to do as much as possible. Where, especially again, the invasion of Ukraine. So when we did that, we asked people to start replying to us in the comments and/or commenting on other videos and telling them, asking us to fact check things that they found. So for at least those situations, we were a, a, a part-time referee doing our best to keep up with it. And I think that was the most value we've ever added to the app. I think being there and being present is really important, but also like actually affecting change or teaching media literacy in that way has been really, really important. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. But you also like to have fun. Oh, so I love I, it. Oh, don't get me wrong. No, no, yeah. I know. And I, and <laughs> yeah. I don't want to make yeah. it. The, right? I think that's yeah. part of the reason is that yeah. you don't. There is a lot of levity. Yeah. You you don't take yourself seriously. Boy, do you not take yourself seriously. You and your twin that I, doesn't exist. That's a, <laughs> sometimes we're triplets. Sometimes you're triplets. Yeah. That's right. And when you so here in Canada, when you're walking down the street, have have you been recognized? It's really uh what's first of all it's very flattering when it does happen, but it's funny because it, it does tend to be, you know, people either like millennial, Gen Z, and then it's really funny because then they'll be talking to someone much more important who's maybe the CEO of a company and, and they they don't have, they have no idea but then they they take a picture with me and they send it home to their kid and and all of a sudden they want to talk <laughs> so it's it's very nice it's very funny um and that is the case often and it doesn't really happen you know this is we're surrounded by in some ways a lot of my peers but also DC is the only other place this really happens I think we have a pretty big fan base, but DC it is such a high school that it's really funny. So next time around. I'm in DC, I just want to walk around the streets with you and see what happens. It's 
It is odd. I mean, that's the thing, like, especially during the, because we really, we were popular and we were making TikToks pre-pandemic, but we were home. And then I come out of my house two years later and (laughs) and I take my mask off and it's like, it's, it's some alternate reality. You're not exactly a short, conspicuous kind of a guy. What what are you, six feet, 900? Six feet, 900, six feet, four, uh, five feet, 16, something like that. I mean, yeah, yeah. you've got a presence. Okay. Okay. So, (laughs) so at Whaler, we, we really are advising brands on how to understand a community and about creators and the creator economy. So mm-hmm. you're fueling it in one direction. I think what you were talking about before about the comments and the community that follows you self-regulating mm-hmm. is a really important point to make. And we're in this process right now of trying to really educate and elevate the understanding of brands and agencies and uh, institutions just about the power of the creator economy. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking a little bit later about creators for good and and how creators can transform, not just be a source of transactions. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the community here because I think that's the least known part of the creator economy. The community, so if we look at the creators as the curators, as the leaders of independent communities, the community is what scales the information. Mm-hmm. And you brought up a really interesting point about community self-regulating, commenting, you guys speak to your community. That is not what brands or publications or anybody are were really designed to do. Mm-hmm. Can you just unpack that a little bit and give us a, a bit more of a, an overview of how that works? I think, so a, a big, and this sort of predates me, or at least predates TikTok. When I got to the post I was part of this and I promise this answers the question I was I was part of this team called creative video and a lot of the people on that team were hired as hosts basically for videos and the idea was we need more people on camera that are just kind of face to face with the audience and I think that the post recognizes and recognized then and recognizes now that you need to have at least I don't want to call it a relationship or even a parasocial relationship but just like some kind of uh, trust or respect for the person that you're seeing on screen. And I think that is what's sort of building the community. So when we started the TikTok account, I, I more jokingly call myself the tour guy of the post because especially the 2019 TikToks, I'm just like basically pulling pranks on my colleagues right. <laughs> for the most part. Um, and But there was a community that was starting to build there. And then especially in the pandemic, it really built up because people had nothing else but to watch the TikToks and watch me go crazy in my apartment, quote unquote. Uh, and some people, by the way, thought I actually was, which was, I was doing a little too well at a certain point. They mm. were like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. Your this family is- was checking in on you. Yeah. Well, now my, but like people in the comments are like, well, how would I have edited this video? <laughs> anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, I, we started to build it then. And then when we added, you know, Chris and Carmela to the team mm-hmm. last December, that was really, it was a challenge. But it was a really fun challenge because Chris started as an intern, then we hired him. And he was Chris the intern, then we evolved him to Chris the associate producer. And he started to develop his own skill set, but also he focuses on certain news, sometimes like pop culture and Marvel. He, everyone knows that he does any Marvel news that happens. Uh, Carmela, she has a very specific style where she, her facial expressions and dancing are just above anyone I've seen, even just on the. Oh, app. her law and order. Unreal. Uh, oh my God. And when she pitched it to me, the, the script, <laughs> her script made sense, but I was like, I don't understand this, but I'm sure when I see it, I'll get it. That's right. Uh, and that's usually that's usually how it goes for me, too. Chris is the only one that can actually write a script out that makes any sense ahead of time. But um, yeah, so there's a community that we're building uh, with the audience, but also just the sort of, and, and I've jokingly said this, but it really is true, the, the Washington Post TikTok cinematic universe, which is a play on the Marvel cinematic universe. And I think as we add more people who are kind of other hosts of the account, but also who feature other reporters and stuff, it feels a little bit more close to home and going all the way back to building trust. It builds trust because a lot of these people like 
you know, we have Pulitzer Prize winners who weren't necessarily on cable news all the time or people weren't or, you know, TikTokers weren't watching cable news anyway. But like Ashley Parker or whoever else that we've David Farenthold, we've had them in these TikToks. And this is the first time people are seeing them who just normally see a byline or something. So I think it, it's really helpful to, to, to one, humanize them, but also just, oh, this is what that actually, this is what that person looks like and this is how they interact in the world. And this person is willing to poke fun of themselves because without a doubt, almost every TikTok, that person has to be the butt of a joke in, in some way or another. Absolutely, well, it yeah. dimensionalizes them. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. And I think as a brand, because um, I think they can learn a lot and that's what's really helpful. And, and thanks for helping share these, these observations because yeah. Brands are inanimate objects, but you have to have a presence. You have to yeah. have a personality. Mm -hmm. And the community is how you scale. So for you, what happens, I would imagine, is it's word of mouth from the community who tell other people. It's like that old, you're too yes. young, but there was an ad. for I think it was Fabergé uh -huh. a shampoo, and it was like, and they told two friends, and they told two friends. But it is that power. It's word of right. mouth at scale. And that is really where TikTok and Snap and... Instagram and Twitch and all of these, you know, social platforms, although TikTok is not a social platform, let's be clear, it's right. an entertainment company. Right. That's what they tell us. And <laughs> I agree, I'm very store. entertained. Uh -huh. uh, but it, it's the power of that uh, community who, within each other, they trust each other. So if you're mm -hmm. a fan of the Washington Post and somebody on the Washington Post community in the comments says, oh, I read this book, mm -hmm. the other people in the community will trust that recommendation. And we actually right. have some great data it's like over 67% of people buy things based on what the community that yes. they trust recommends, not that's, just the creator. That's totally the case. In fact, this is very funny, but totally on board. So my wife every so often, and this was happening for a while before I finally fact-checked it, she was like, yeah, my friend, we said this place was really good, or this restaurant was really good, or this book was really good. And finally, like, wait, what friend was <laughs> Right. And I realized half the time she was saying my friend, she was talking about someone she followed on TikTok or YouTube. Right. And it's, and it is like, again, it's their friend, but she trusts that because this is a person that, you know, you're watching anywhere from 15 seconds to two hours a day. So you're actually, there is something you, there. You get to know them. You yes. have a relationship, yeah. just like you were saying. And the community of the people commenting. I agree that I agree yeah. that other commenters are fully affecting that as well. That's, we, yeah. we call that an elationship. Mm -hmm. yes. I have relationships. Um, with people and I, my, my big platform has been Twitter for a long time mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I have relationships with people for like eight years I've never met them right. but I know them on Twitter and yes. they're my friends yeah. I don't know if I ever want to meet them in person because I think they'd be disappointed I've had both versions of that go well sometimes I'm like oh you're awesome and then I'm like I wish I'd just known your Twitter I, <laughs> so true yeah. I, I love that so let's talk about your book I'm very oh, excited and I'm going to get you to sign a bunch of copies yeah. and we're going to I don't know. We might give some away. We might auction them off for charity. I don't know. I, I just I'm very excited. Uh, it's, it's like in my way I was reading it. It's like TikTok for dummies, but it's how to make a TikTok every day. Yes. It, so it was pitched to me. Uh, basically, the, the publisher had come to me. This is mid 2020 and said, we want a book about you know how to make TikToks. And I said, well, I can make a YouTube video in about five or 10 minutes showing you everything I know about making TikToks, but I don't know how much that would translate to the page. So I kind of pitched back. I think it should just be a bunch of TikTok ideas. Um, and so it's 365 TikToks. That's why it's called Make a TikTok Every Day. My favorite part of the book outside of, because well, I have a lot of, but the some of the ideas were just rejected ideas that I couldn't make for the post or just ideas I had one day. Like, like the bubble it, wrap idea? Oh yeah, all kinds of things were just <laughs> totally unsafe. <laughs> You're like uh, the jerky boys meets it practical jokers right. meets 
I don't know, Woodward and Bernstein. I saying, hopefully something more wholesome and, or, yeah, I love the last one. Um, but uh, yeah, there's that. And then, but also there's interviews to start every chapter. And one day I think I'd really like to release the much, they just for the book itself, they wanted to keep the interviews shorter, but my interviews that I actually conducted and scripted out and edited and everything are about 20 pages long each. In the book, they're about two pages. But that was really cool because, and I, I anticipate this a little bit, but a lot of the people I interviewed in, you know, like June, July, 2020, blew up even more afterwards. So the vast majority of people I talked to on there, I would say almost 12 for 12, probably 12 for 12, honestly, but like at least 10 of them have four times as many followers now. And then they're just because of you. No, they just were. uh, (laughs) Yeah. I was like, no, you're omniscient, omnipresent. Yeah. Omnipotent. But like, that's just the, the, the power of it. It's been only two years, but already they're just that much bigger. Okay. Cause so on this, this huge platform that you're obviously, you know, helping evolve as you as you push the boundaries mm-hmm. who any anybody that you can share that you're dying to to get as a cameo on your TikTok on your channel um well we're gonna uh, yeah you know this will be around the time that we um do it we're doing we're doing a collab with LA Times in VidCon in about a day and a half so I'm excited for that there if you haven't seen their their new team it's really good stuff it's the first time there's been other good newspaper tiktoks for sure but this is the first time i was like oh they're really trying something different um so i'm excited to do a collab with them it's going to be sort of west side story ish uh i could not be more excited that's fantastic think think that combined with the news fight scene in anchorman some combination of that um and then yeah (laughs) good uh but as far as the drink i mean it's really tough because i i would be happy to do with anyone's and i don't want to uh Oh, are you having like everybody's your favorite children? Like you can't think a like little you don't bit. Wanna, yeah. Okay. But it's not. But but I also want to give you a, a solid answer because there are people. I mean, we did do one already with and now I'm just thinking of all the news brands, but Jack Corbett and NPR. I did do one very briefly with mm-hmm. him. He does the Planet Money account uh, over the pandemic. But I want to do like a much more elaborate one because his his whole style is, you know, 60 second plus videos. And those are really fun. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to kind of get back to you. Let the, me know. I, 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 you uh, can think about I, it. Now, I have one. The McFarlane's. Have you heard of them? Oh, they, yeah. they were my book and yeah, they're they are. the best. And when I interviewed, yeah. they were easily like, again, all my children, the best interview by far. Like they were so much. I was like, can I potentially join your family <laughs> and just be part of this? And here's the thing that's so interesting. I'm waiting for you. We're sitting here at spot. I'm waiting for you to say, you know, so, like Daniel Eck or, sure. you know, Kara yeah. Swisher or I don't know, George Clooney. I would say George Clooney. George Clooney. I would say I w- Tom Hanks. If that, Tom if that Hanks. Helps. Okay. Yeah. So I, yeah. oh, that's right. I did read yeah. that, that yeah. you said that. Okay. I, so Tom Hanks. I do love, but that's just because I love goal? Tom Hanks. That's not a TikTok goal. That's just a life goal. It's okay. Not, it's not so much. But that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. That's a life goal. <laughs> All right. So let's do it this way. Um, you know, the dead or alive, like there's a, one of those podcasty kind of questions. If you could have dinner with any four people that you wanted to meet. Four people. Okay. But like, just think about it and you can come back to me. But okay. it, like dead or alive, like, you know, that's what I was joking before. But <laughs> if Catherine Graham was on your TikTok, like, <laughs> yeah. what would you? Because Tom Hanks is on my mind, it would just be the cast of that thing you do, which is my favorite movie. Because <laughs> he's a manager. Do you need do you need to be managed, Dave? Yes. But the manager, Liv Tyler, it's like one of her first movies. Yeah. Steve Zahn, I love, like, I would actually, I'm not joking. That's in my head now that's my answer because that okay movie well let's make me to no end. let's manifest that okay got it i, oh, I love it only so you were an intern um for stephen colbert mm-hmm. what would he think i don't know have you talked to him lately what would he think <laughs> you're doing right now does he remember you i don't i it's really interesting so i uh i probably but probably i, I don't know um i listen to conan's podcast a lot and who doesn't and, and famously like four or five really famous comedians were all interns for him 
and he at least pretends to remember them. But I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was I did get to appear on the show one time as Dave the unpaid intern, so I played myself. Oh. Um, that was really fun. I have to go. I'll have to go pull that. Yeah, it's archived there deep in the Comedy Central website. So we at least had our moment there. And the whole premise. Can I tell you the story really fast? That's of really course fun. you can. So he. Um, I, I'd been there about a month or so, and, and every time you see Steven, which well, that was a crazy, that, this is actually where I learned that like the person at the top really dictates the attitude of everything. The leadership style, and, and I, yeah. This, in the best possible way, that's how he is. I mean, one, everyone's supposed, like he doesn't want you to call him Mr. Colbert, he's like, call me Steven. And everyone there is just so happy, and it's clearly because of him, and partially because he's also like the hardest working person there. So I think there's just something about that um, that I picked up on early on and really tried to emulate as much as possible. But, uh, Basically, I was told by one of the script supervisors or something, hey, we want you to be on the show today, but no one told me why or how. They said, just go to rehearsal, which we always did, because they would they would test the jokes in rehearsal and see how much the interns laughed. But then we go through rehearsal, and it doesn't come up, and I go to the stage director, and I'm like, am I on the show? He's like, I think so. Just go ask Steven. I was like, oh, just go ask Steven. Okay. Hey, Steven. <laughs> Simple. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Uh, and he was so kind. Uh, before we even got into it, he was just asking me about myself. I just remember that so well. He just had he just wanted to know me first. And, you know, I'm, I'm certain he does that with everyone, but it was just, it was very nice. Um and he said, so we have this guy on the show tonight who's been advocating for paid internships. And he's like, as you know, we don't pay you. He's like, but he is, he's like, as a reminder, that's Viacom, that's not me. But he, I was like, yeah, I know you don't pay me. I'm well aware. Uh, he said, so I'm going to have you come up and stand next to me while I'm interviewing him and say, this is my protege. This is he's in the business of being me or something. And uh, as soon as I get like stop talking, ask him. Uh, if he has any internships, he's going to say yes. Ask if they're paid, he's going to say yes. And he does that, just go stand behind him instead. And so that all panned out really well. It worked out perfectly. The only part that didn't work, because we didn't have rehearsal, so as I jump on stage, the the camera just goes, because <laughs> they're sitting down and they didn't prepare for it. You're so tall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was cool. And then, I, but also my dad was like, he, he loved it, but he's like, you look like a gaping fish for a second, because I didn't know when to talk. So I jump on stage and I'm waiting to ask my question. I'm just like, <laughs> do you have any internships <laughs> but it actually played into it fine so so yeah. you're not going to be an actor no i don't think but i don't have any interest i mean honestly the the i'd much i'm much more interested in a way which is what i'm already doing is like some version of like hosting a show like a late night type of situation but that's evolving clearly clearly and now i'm like well maybe tiktok is already i'm happy with what i'm doing that's the that's the short of it but i mean that was always my interest was working or writing on some type of show like that so i think well, you made your way, own show i think that's you're kinda, so it's so gen z millennial of right you. and forced it into a 144 year old newspaper <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's it's an amazing thing. I'm yeah. such a fan girl. Okay, well, we're going to get ready to go do the rest of our can day. That's right, yeah. Uh, anything coming up that you want to share that we should be looking out for? Well, I have a great panel coming up. <laughs> yes, you do with us later. <laughs> yes, right. you do. Creators uh, for good at can. Yeah, uh, well, we... Um, we, like I said, we have that collab coming. We have a few other fun uh, VidCon TikToks planned. Also be talking at VidCon. I don't know if this comes out by Saturday, but... Um, I it might. I'm going to be... I, I will be there. You'll be, be back in LA and going to VidCon? Yeah. Okay, so this is like the... the it's like it, there's VidCon, NFT Week in New York, and Can. Right. So... You're going to get two of the three. I am. And I don't think <laughs> that I don't know anybody else that's doing that. I uh, it wasn't meant to be that way. But, you know, OK, so actually very quick. Yesterday, when we posted the TikTok, where yeah. the confusion was there in VidCon and I'm in Cannes. And yeah, I got VidCan. confused. Yes. Um, Hank Green comes on and Hank Green is yes. the founder of VidCon. Everyone doesn't know. And he, he basically was like, screw can that we intentionally do this every year. <laughs> I'm, uh, you well, know, I, I see that as a battle. Down. 
We're I, yeah. actually saying it can. We're the creators, right? And we our our whole uh, focus is everything is better with creators, mm -hmm. and so Whaler is on this mission to get Can to embrace creators as an integrated part of creativity. So you can right. you can join our our team. I'm ready. We're on we're on a mission. Okay. okay so final question. What do you think if an like you know it's you're in the Smithsonian Museum now and or you would be if the you know TikTok is is shared there and the nailing comes down and they open this hermetically sealed canister and, and uh -huh. they find the Washington Post TikTok as this is you know our source of news they have not no reference uh -huh. what the hell do you think they would be thinking they'd be like what's this can of spam doing here? <laughs> spam <laughs> okay they try to open it up for anyone who doesn't know that was my friend Sam who is a can of spam with the P sharpied out that's what everyone's always suggests that's why it's in my head because when they said if there's a Smithsonian exhibit I was like just give them spam and just, don't open them up yet that's right <laughs> yeah. I love it I don't know I mean I think it would I, I, to your point that the levity is intentional, and I, I think that is, in my mind, pretty timeless to, to embrace the sort of humor of it all. And I think regardless of if you're very confused about TikTok or, you know, a newspaper or whatever that is, um, I think you can recognize humor anywhere. And that's why I think our most successful TikToks translate on any app or to any person or to my wonderful 90-year-old grandma in Nebraska. She still gets the funniest TikTok. Like, she still understands that. So I think there's something about that that would at least translate. Made for the medium. Yeah. What's your grandmother's name? Eleanor. Eleanor, you oh. have a very nice grandson. She's gonna love that. This is she goes. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, yeah. that's. I just love that you have a ninety-year-old grandmother that's gonna listen to your. She's the interview. best. She used to, when I when I interned at Colbert Report. She's like, and I just want you to know, my my liberal friend loves Colbert Report. She's my liberal. In Nebraska. She's in Nebraska. <laughs> Oh my God! You must have some fantastic Thanksgiving yeah. dinner stories. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to get to chat with you. We're thrilled to have you pushing the medium, helping develop literacy, develop awareness of news facts, not alternative facts, and building a community. So thanks for joining us, Dave Jorgensen. Thank you. This was my favorite, and you did your research. So I did. Yeah. I always do. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard and will come along with us as we navigate this journey to the promised land of the creator economy. Make sure to subscribe or follow our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you like to listen to audio. We'd love a rating and review. And special thanks to Dave Jorgensen for joining us. Make sure to check out more from Whaler and all things at the intersection of a talent network, brand partnerships, technology, and creativity at whaler.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. For everything is better with creators, I'm Jamie Goodfriend. We'll catch you next time. with creators is produced by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. Learn more at whaler.com. Whaler, Adweek's 2022 Creator Agency of the Year.